It's Tuesday, February 12th, 2019. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today I am privileged to be joined by Claire and Joel Davis, and Claire has been a part of the Lifeline team for 10 years, and she and Joel were some of the first families to, or one of the first families to adopt from Uganda, and then also from the Democratic Republic of Congo, and so their family looks a little bit different in that they are a multicultural, multinational family uh, with lots of different ethnicities and a lot of different nations representing their family, and then of course they have little Benji who they had biologically. And so, Joel and Claire, thanks for joining us. And Joel, why don't you just first tell us a little bit about your family? So we, our oldest son is Isaiah. Isaiah has uh, been a part of our family now for eight years, and he's 10. And he was originally born in Uganda. And then we have Nico as our second oldest. Nico is seven, and he's been a uh, part of our family now for four years. And he was born in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. It's a mouthful. And then our youngest is Benji, who is six, and he's biological. And I know that, uh, not to get off on a tangent, but you were so active in uh, Nico's adoption by actually traveling to Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, talk just a little bit about, as a dad, going mm-hmm. through that adoption process and being so intentional in, in that process, which really was difficult. Yeah, Nico's was definitely uh, a much more difficult process than than Isaiah, but but that was kind of expected going in, just knowing the political situation of and the poverty situation of the country, um, of the DRC. And so I actually went alone to pick up Nico when it was time to get him, and uh, Claire stayed at home because we had a baby at the time, and then also Isaiah, who was maybe three or four. Um, and so yeah, my my short little trip to get Nico became a very very long trip <laughs> to get Nico, and. And at that time, I spent a lot of time just one-on-one in, in his home country, uh, he and I together, and really got really close. And we're still super close still, I think, because of that, all, all that time of just the two of us there together, uh, a lot of bored time uh, just hanging out and playing. Um, yeah, and then all through his process, there was, there was ups and downs, and again, it was much longer mm-hmm. than Isaiah's. Uh, and, uh, you know, just that bonding from a distance with had his picture and, and getting to, to kind of um, think you know him but then when you get there and you really get to know him and and the, the bonds I, I think those bonds are gonna be everlasting for us so. yeah to so talk a little bit um, to Joel because I know going to and spending so much time in the Democratic Republic of Congo and then Uganda you not only got to know your boys but you got to know their countries and appreciate their countries how does that change the way that you raise mm-hmm. them yeah, and that's that's what was really cool about both those situations. In, in both situations, I was there for over a month, or, or right at a month in Uganda, so and, and got to travel to to where uh, the area of the country both of them were from, each of them individually, and and uh, kind of see. And there's a lot of questions now, so it gives the chance to, to talk about, hey, here's where you were at, here's what it looked like, here's here's pictures of, yeah, you were two at the time and don't remember, but here's a picture of, of us doing this or riding in a car, or, or here is uh, just kind of the what it looks like where you're from. And so it really helps with the questions that, um, that we start to get now as they get older and they start to begin to question um, about where am I from, what does it look like, what is it... Um, 
and then and then also we you know begin to talk about what does that look like at some point of, of taking them back and, and mm -hmm. kind of beginning those conversations we're thinking they're starting to get to the to close to the right age and looking at taking them back and showing them where they're from yeah so Claire obviously you're a social worker and a great social worker at that and you've helped families even through multicultural adoption and multi-ethnic adoptions but then when it came time for you and Joel to start praying about your family and, and looking at adoption, what kind of led you to Uganda and thinking about, hey, we're going to be a multicultural yeah. family? Yeah. Well, I was working with Uganda at the time that we decided to move forward adopting a son from Uganda. Um, so I really was on board. I loved Uganda. I loved the people that we that I worked with in Uganda and I talked to on a daily basis. I mean, their accent, um, their everything about the culture, I was drawn to it. And um, so it really, I, it's always something that I, I, I remember having conversations with Joel when I was, you know, deep into working with other families. Like, what if we just like started a home study and we just had this home study ready just in case we felt the Lord telling us it's time. And, and granted, we were like 25 at the we time. Were, yeah. <laughs> this is a little crazy. But really, um, I would toss it back to Joel because he, he, event, he, he didn't feel quite ready. Um, mm -hmm. But then, he, I'll let you. Yeah, I think uh, in talking about the multicultural, um, you know, I, I was fearful at first, and 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 a lot of it was selfish. Now mm -hmm. that looking back, of of knowing that anywhere I went, instantly someone was going to know this was not my biological child, mm. that he was adopted. And I would have to deal with that from day one everywhere I went. And then also, on the other side as well, the child of like, mm -hmm. everyone's going to know as far as he's got to deal with that as well. And then actually, uh, in God's providence, went about this time, went on a, uh, a trip to Haiti and worked at an orphanage there. And, and through that trip, God really softened my heart and opened my eyes that like ultimately his kingdom is multicultural mm -hmm. it's going to be completely multicultural and that's just not something i should fear mm -hmm. and so uh coming back we said hey i think this is a go we should mm -hmm. god's leading us to do this and it's going to it should be uganda i feel like that's where it should be and then you know now we're 10 years later from starting the process and uh, i can't imagine my family mm -hmm. being anything different yeah so we know that obviously there's so much joy in being a multicultural family, but what are some of the highs and lows, Claire, about being a multicultural family? <clears throat> okay, so um, one of the highs that come to mind is um, just the miracle mm -hmm. that we are a family. When you think about our the history of racism mm -hmm. in our country, um, and when you think about how far across the globe we were born from each other, mm -hmm. um, the fact that God brought us all together, um, I think it, is something I don't reflect on often enough, but it is just, it's evidence of his mm -hmm. love for me. It is his plan for me, his grace in my life. Um, so that would be, that would be probably a high that I would pick out. Um, and then a low would be, Joel kind of touched on this a little bit, but would be the loss of privacy mm -hmm. for my kiddos. Um, I feel like, because we are a multicultural family and you can look at us mm -hmm. and tell that, um, that we have different skin colors and um, are different races, that that you know that there is, 
that there's likely adoption as a part of our story, right. as a part of our family. So um, our kids lose their privacy, and some of we know that adoption is um, happens because there's first a tragedy. There's mm. birth families that are not still together, and that's really private, especially for seven and ten mm. year olds. That's not something they want to be recognized for or talked about and so when um, well-meaning strangers or acquaintances mm. or friends ask questions even simple questions like so where were you born things mm. that seem so harmless um, make them so uncomfortable and mm. I'm so thankful that they come to me and they tell me that and I do my best to like be the mama bear protector and you know, make sure that uh, everybody is asking appropriate questions to my children. But um, that I would say that is a hard thing, and that's not something I anticipated or, or knew was was coming. But it is something that we've learned. Um, I also think another low would be as a parent navigating um, just parenting a child of a different race. Um, I know the Bible tells us that God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but I do. Mm -hmm. I do have some fears about. Um, parenting um, children that I don't know what their experience is and I don't know what it's going to be like in the future. Um, I have my set of experiences and I know that that does not, that doesn't prepare me very much for this. Um, and so I, that is, that's something that I, I spend a lot of time worrying about. Um, but I, I do, um, I do feel like we um, are, you know, we're, we're, educating ourselves mm -hmm. we are um, asking questions and trying to set, step outside of you know my own cultural experiences to try to, to do the best I can for them but and a fun fun recent story of going back to not really knowing their full history is we actually got a call from the school nurse about a week ago and Nico had gone to the Nico's not very rarely sick and Nico had gone to the nurse and he has a scar up under his kind of on the side of his neck that we actually was pre us like mm -hmm. when I first met him at two he already had it and we don't really know what it's from and he for some reason at school discovered it even though it's been there for seven <laughs> years now and had gone to the nurse all upset with like I don't know what this is what is this and so the nurse called called and we're like well Nika that's been there your whole life we actually don't know what it mm -hmm. is and sometimes that's that's part of the uh, the adoption um, process or, or or in the multicultural of like we actually don't know what that scar is right. it's no problem now he's perfectly fine but he decided that one day <laughs> he was now nervous about it so so looking at obviously these highs and lows and and maybe even some real real fears and i love what you say second timothy 1 7 god hasn't given us a spirit of timidity but a spirit of power of love and self-discipline and so while there's still real fears that we have to conquer and give to christ I know that through that, the Lord teaches lessons mm -hmm. and grows us. And so, Joel, what would you say are some of the lessons that you've learned or things that the Lord has taught mm -hmm. your family through this process? Yeah, I mean, and well, for one thing, we've learned a whole lot about caring for different skins and hair types. Mm -hmm. um, that's There's been a, a, a learning curve that is ever growing there, especially as they get older. And I've actually cut their hair, I've taught myself it, but now they want more co complex cuts. Mm -hmm. And so I'm getting out of my realm on that. But... Um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've learned, I mean, a, a lot about, I mean, really through our whole lives, even before our adoptions and, and uh, learning about like what it looks like to not have a, a, a father, to mm. not have a mother in your life and to, um, and then, then how that then plays into the gospel and how mm. um, we're adopted sons of, sons and daughters of Christ and then how that kind of 
plays out and, and we get to see that kind of what that means um, and what uh, to, to have that birthright like our children now do with us and um, yeah it's, it, it's been it's a constant growing process and it's a constant learning process and plus both of our adopted children were our first children mm -hmm. so like we're learning to be parents at the right. same time like my adopted child who's 10 is my first child who's 10 mm -hmm. like everything's new and so it, it's, it's a constant learning process and we make mistakes and and we learn and and Isaiah and Nico and Benji learn and and we, we learn from each other as we go and there's definitely some apologies here and there from us to them when we make mistakes so yeah. Claire what would you say are people so even even Joel was honest and saying at first there's some hesitancy mm -hmm. of course I've known Joel a long time and this is a guy that loves to travel the world and has a heart for missions and taking the gospel to other nations but but even there's still this trepidation about a multicultural mm -hmm. adoption what would you tell others that have the same fear or maybe a concern or hesitant towards multicultural adoption sure. well I would first want to know what their hesitancy was I feel like I'm assuming they're coming to me in a place where they feel led mm -hmm. to adopt and feel led to um, that God's calling them to a multicultural family um, but I certainly wouldn't blindly encourage anyone to take this on mm -hmm. um, this has of course been a huge blessing in our life but um, there it there's gonna be responsibility on their part and so you need to um, I you know, speaking from experience, that's something that I try to educate myself on. Um, talk, talking about skin and hair, you know, I want my children to have a positive self-image, and so I'm willing mm -hmm. to um, to learn new things about skin and hair, and to make sure that my um, my kids feel confident mm -hmm. in who they are and what they look like. And um, and then looking at your community, would you say your community is racially um, diverse, um, inclusive? would you be willing to to move somewhere if if it's not um these things that you know you feel like your your house that this is obviously a permanent choice but your child's more important than that and right. and do you need to move somewhere else if you're gonna um, become a multicultural family um i also i also feel like it's important to just recognize that we have our we have one set of experiences and our child if they are a different skin color or a different race they're gonna have a different set of experiences so we have to be willing to put ourselves in their place and do what we can to learn and grow with them the new challenges at new ages um, just I think being ready to, to be humble that you don't maybe you don't know it all I know I don't know it all um, and so I, I think that um, I know I'm not an expert and that I think that that's actually a strength is knowing that I can't do this that I'm gonna have to look mm. outside myself and look to others and 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 learn mm. so obviously knowing that you both got into this and I'm sure somebody even as you're going through this process gave you wisdom or said something that was a was was just a wise saying or passed along what wisdom would you pass along to other families who are in the midst of and maybe at the early stages of having a multicultural family but now that y'all have been down the road seven and eight years what's some wisdom that you would pass along to another family I think that there's a lot of things in life that are really really good and rewarding or hard mm -hmm. and so uh, I don't think coming to this and think it's just going to be easy uh, but in no way do we ever have we ever really regretted it at all and in no way and where it's been incredibly rewarding and it's been a huge blessing 
And um, so I would say, you know, seek what God's doing and don't, if, if he's really leading you, then don't hide from it. I think that's something you come back, I would imagine, late, way later in life and then really, really regret. Um, but to, yeah, don't, don't be scared of things that are difficult, like hard things or refining, mm -hmm. and uh, they can be really good. And then Claire, just kind of as we close from a mama's heart, what's something that you would say that Isaiah and Nico specifically, not, not Benji of course too, but Isaiah and Nico specifically have taught you about yourself that, that was just impactful as a mom? That's a tough one. So I would say one thing that really sticks out, and I guess I've probably touched on this before, is just my kids' voice and listening to them. Um, I a lot of times feel like I know what's best. I'm older. I'm more mature. I've, you know, maybe I start thinking I've got this figured out. But they really have communicated with me what what they need, what they don't like when someone tells them something or says something to them they're uncomfortable with. They've been really brave to mm -hmm. tell me that. And just that, even if I feel like I know what's best for them, that they they have a voice. It's something we talk about a lot, about giving our kids a voice. And so I think that just listening to that and finding a way to maybe marry mm -hmm. my maturity and, and what they're looking for and, and trying to, to meet them where they are. Amen. Well, I know with three boys, the three Davis boys certainly didn't come into the family all the same way. They all three came in different ways. But to see even the way that the Lord has sovereignly placed them in birth order and the way they were and the way they came into the home. And I love even from outside seeing the way Isaiah loves his brothers and leads them well. You can just tell he does that well. And um, so God is so good and so gracious. And thank you guys for just being open and honest and Hopefully this will encourage others. And even as we are in the month of February, and this is Black History Month, and we think about the way that the Lord has called us to care for others and, and to think outside of ourselves, maybe the Lord would be leading you towards adoption in a multicultural, multi-ethnic way that would cause you to think outside of your own self and your own comfort zone into a way that you could show the gospel either through adoption or through orphan care or through foster care, and in so doing, showing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow in the Defender Podcast.